The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered him, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. By the time that John the Baptist arrives on the scene, there's a trend that's pretty well established. The prophets of God do not live long and enjoyable lives. There are maybe a handful of people in the entirety of the scriptures of whom you could say they escaped this reality, but by and large, the prophets get to kind of choose between one or the other. They will either have a long prophetic ministry that is filled with struggle and turmoil, else they will have a blessedly brief tenure, shall we say. You see, it's just how things work. The rebellion of the people against the word of God cannot help but produce conflict. And that conflict either cuts lives short or fills them with misery, or, in the case of John the Baptist, both. I wonder if, throughout his life, John the Baptist always had in mind what eventually would become of him. From his very youth, he knew that he was to be a prophet of God. Scratch that. Not just a prophet of God, but the penultimate prophet, the final prophet of the Old Testament, the capstone to all the prophetic ministry which first began in the Garden of Eden, preceding the ministry of the Christ who was to be the best and greatest prophet ever to be sent by God, and who was to inaugurate the new covenant. But to the things that belong to the Old Testament, John was the greatest of those who spoke. And knowing this tendency, I'm sure that even in his tender youth, he knew that one day, faithfulness to the word of God would come at a price. And so, there he is where we find him today, where we find him in Herod's prison. 
there because he dared to preach, there because he dared to call men in power to repentance, there because he dared to say that the word of God, even in what to many seemed like a trivial detail, the matter of just who is a man actually allowed to marry, and the wrongfulness of marrying his brother's wife, this detail that so many people would have simply glanced by and said, how could God care about so trivial a detail? This very detail John was willing to stake his life on, that he may call even the king, even this man of great power and authority, to repentance. Yes, I'm sure there in Herod's prison, John had this thought in his mind. What did I expect? Was not this foreordained? Should I not have expected that this is where I would find myself? And indeed, there in that prison, I'm sure he had plenty of time to think and plenty of time to worry. Theologians like to spend enormous amounts of time talking about John and debating the state of his faith in this particular moment. Did John send his disciples to ask this question because John himself legitimately doubted what he had preached before? Did he, of whom Isaiah said, you know, he would speak these words of preparing the highway of the Lord, the one whom the prophet said would be the forerunner of the Christ, Elijah, who is to come and prepare the Lord's path. Did even he have second thoughts? Did he truly wonder if that man whom he had first met in the womb of his mother by the intercession of the Holy Spirit, did he truly doubt that this man was the right man? Did he think of those words which he spoke on the Jordan, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and think to himself, maybe I had the wrong man? Did even he whom John saw the Spirit of God descend in the form of the dove and of whom he heard the voice of the Father from heaven say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased? Did John think that maybe that wasn't so real as he once thought it was? Or is John firm in his faith? Does he not truly doubt, but rather send these disciples of his for their sakes, that they may hear confirmed what John already knows, that they who wonder at the state of things, seeing their beloved teacher in Herod's jail, who see the ministry of the forerunner not going exactly the way that they expected, are they the ones for whom John is truly concerned? And is the message of Jesus truly to strengthen their hearts and not John's? Did John doubt or was he faithful? Well, if you ask me, probably a bit of both. Are the two things really at odds with one another? Is it not entirely possible for a man to love his job but hate the particular task that he finds himself in at a given moment? Is it not possible for a mother to love and cherish her children but also scorn the mess that she must clean up after them? 
Certainly it is very possible for these things to be true. And so is it not also true that John can be at the same time questioning what is going on, concerned about the situation that he finds himself in, perplexed and distressed by the terrors of his conscience and by the terror of Herod's sword that is arraigned against him while also remaining true, also trusting that in spite of his weaknesses and in spite of his wavering faith that yet Christ will save him that even if death should be his portion in this life, that the life of the Lamb of God shall be his portion in the life to come. I certainly think it is, and I certainly hope it is, because is this not the exact life that we find ourselves in as well? Are not we beset by doubts by questions, by anxieties and perplexities? Are we not often confused when we read of the words of Christ's glorious triumph, but then see a world around us where it seems as though the kingdom of God is in retreat? Are we not distressed? Are we not perplexed? Are we not weak and frail and in need? And yet at the same time, do we not believe? Do we not trust that Jesus shall come again, that he shall put to flight the wickedness of this world, that he shall take away our fears and our doubts and our concerns and replace them with his triumph, with his mercy, with his love and promise? Certainly, this is the Christian life, one in which these things are held in tension, one in which our anxieties and weaknesses are buttressed by faith and reliance upon the promises of God's word. John is not so different from any one of us. And so too, when we find ourselves in these situations where our faith and our anxieties are at war with one another, we should do what John did. John did not sit there in that prison and continue to chew over his own thoughts. He did not send his disciples out to find a strong man who could raise up an army to bust him out of prison. He simply sent them to Jesus and just wanted them to ask, Are you the Christ? I know in my heart that you are. Should I wait for another? I know in my heart that I should wait for you. But though I know these things, I want to hear them again. I want your words of comfort to be spoken to me. I want you to fulfill the words which the prophet Isaiah spoke of you, saying, Comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and tell her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord double for all her sins. I want you to speak these words to me, Jesus, that by your words I may have strength, that I may face the terrors of this moment, the terrors of Herod's sword and the terrors of my own death, and be confident that you shall see me through them. What John requested of Jesus was comfort a strength, 
was promise that would give him the strength to persevere in the midst of this life and confidently approach the kingdom of heaven in the hereafter. And this, dear Christians, is what you and I and all who call upon the name of our Lord should likewise be moved to do. In your times of doubt and perplexity, do not withdraw inward. Do not seek to lean on your own understanding. Neither seek to alleviate your suffering by the powers of this world, but rather turn your heart to the word of Christ. Let his promises be your strength. Let the promises of the Holy Scriptures fill your heart and remind you of the blessed kingdom that is prepared for you, the blessed crown of life that is stored up for you at the right hand of God with Christ Jesus, with which he shall crown you when at last the travails of this life are over and when death has forever been put to flight. Find your comfort in the words of Christ which were spoken to you in holy baptism, wherein he claimed you to be his own, not one whom he should give up to the hand of Herod or to the forces of the devil, the world, or even our own sinful flesh, but one whom he claimed to be his own brother, his friend, his fellow son of God, whom he loves and for whom he was willing to suffer, the precious lamb whom he loved so much to come into this world of muck and mire that he may gather you up into his arms and hold you in peace at his bosom. Find your strength in the word of Christ in the Holy Sacrament, wherein he says, This is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. The very things which purchased your release and gave you life immortality, these day I place them into your hands that you may have again what was secured for you of old. These words of Christ, they are the comfort that you need. They are the strength that thou shall see you through this temporary imprisonment. They are the life that shall persist even when this life draws to an end. And as John, in the midst of his mire and in the midst of his doubts and concerns, yet had faith to call upon Christ for this comfort, so too in your darkness seek the light of Christ. You will find it. Christ will not let you grope about in the dark, but rather he shall show you exactly where what you need may be found. Until at last the day comes when his light shall dawn, when it shall cast away the gloomy haunts of our sin, when it shall burst the iron bars of death which imprison us and throw over the tyrant who seeks our life. That day when the light of Christ dawns, we shall go out from our prisons. Our doubts shall be forever dispelled, our anxieties forever lifted, and our burdens forever cast away. We know this because the word of Christ tells this. And for this reason, even in the midst of our sorrows, we have comfort, we have joy, we have peace. So come. Let us hear the word of our Christ. Let us hear the word of our Lord and Savior, and let us receive the gifts that are prepared for us, that we may find comfort and peace, that we may persevere to the day of his coming. Amen.
In the name of Jesus, our only hope in this life and the next. Amen.